You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. Last December, the Italian jewelry house Bulgari opened its seventh hotel worldwide in Paris and announced it would double its resort footprint in the next three years. Anticipating post-pandemic tourism will bring fortune to the luxury hospitality space. My guest on the luxury item is Silvio Ursini, Bulgari Group Executive Vice President in charge of its hotels and resorts division. Silvio joined Bulgari as marketing director in 1989 and soon after moved to group creative director, spearheading the company's creative drive into new categories such as watches, accessories, and fragrances. Having conceived the Bulgari Hotels and Resorts project since 2002, he has dedicated full-time to its strategic and creative direction, with seven hotels open and five under construction. He also sits on Bulgari's executive committee. Welcome to the luxury item, Silvio. Nice of you to be here. It's my pleasure. So many luxury brands are enjoying a very strong first half of 2022 as ultra high net worth individuals have shown to be more insulated from inflation and still shopping for luxury goods and going on luxury vacations. How has post-pandemic tourism been for Bulgari hotels and resorts? Well, uh, I think you're, uh, you're right. Um, post uh, the pandemia, we have seen a renewed uh, desire to travel and experience and uh, enjoy all the better things in life. And uh, this is mirroring what is happening to the sales of our jewelry and watches and other products, but uh, specifically to our hotels and resorts, there's been a true boom, I must say. How has the hotel's RevPAR been faring? And for listeners who don't know what that is, RevPAR is a performance metric used in the hospitality industry, and it's calculated by essentially multiplying a hotel's average daily room rate by its occupancy rate. So how has the RevPAR been for Bulgari hotels? RevPAR is higher than in 2019 in general, uh, driven by, I would say, more or less the same level of occupancy, but with a significantly higher rate, um, which is, um, I would say, in general, driven by customers opting for the larger suites or villas Mm -hmm. and therefore um, being happy to pay the high rate. So you think they're just treating themselves now in this post-pandemic world? Absolutely. You see the guests uh, wanting the larger suite, the the better wines, uh, enjoying all the experiences. Um, Yes, it's been been, uh, remarkable. And the end of last year, Bulgari opened its seventh hotel worldwide right in the heart of Paris in the Golden Triangle. And the announcement plans to build the hotel was back in 2018. Why was it decided that Paris was going to be the next location for a Bulgari hotel? Well, uh, it wasn't actually uh, decided uh, as, a, as a specific next uh, step. Uh, uh, we have a mandate to create a very small collection of extraordinary hotels. And uh, therefore, with no hurry whatsoever, we comb through opportunities in all the cities where we want to be, which is, you know, a dozen to 15 maximum. And then when the right opportunity arises after many years of searching, then we start the, the development plan, and it just so happened that Paris finally opened uh, 
last year. And um, actually, funny enough, when we when we were about to open, it just doomed on me that we were opening a hotel, a Bulgari hotel, in the capital of luxury hospitality, <laughs> in the capital of luxury gastronomy, um, <laughs> in the capital of jewelry. And therefore, uh, it has been a daunting task, but we're very pleased with the results so far. So how long did it take you to find that specific site? I mean, there are, there's a limited number of sites, I would say, to, to build a hotel there at this point. But how did you find that specific site? Well, we have a, a very clear idea of uh, which neighborhood or neighborhoods, in the case of Paris, we, we want to be in. And then we, we look at opportunities. In, in Paris, we've looked at um, sites for the past 15 years easily and uh, turned down many uh, because, you know, this is, um, if you really want to do something extraordinary, it has to be perfect. Um, I, I always compare doing a Bulgari hotel like crafting a, a jewel. And if you, if you don't start from the right stone, uh, then you can be very good at all the rest, but it will never be an extraordinary jewel. Right. And so a, a unique site has to have the right address, the right characteristics, the right features. And on top of that, it has to have that immaterial thing that we, we call in Latin the genius loci, the spirit of the place, which is intangible, but um, you cannot rationally qualify it, but you either have it or you don't. And the hotel has been described as a cross between Roman glamour and Parisian sophistication. And you said in an interview here in Paris, all the grand hotels have a very specific style. We decided with a lot of courage to stick to our Italian contemporary style. So what type of vibe and feeling did you want this hotel to give off that you weren't finding in the more traditional Parisian hotels? Well, we, we have a very specific uh, design philosophy at the Bulgari in general, uh, Italian, contemporary, daring, um, and that we apply also to the hotels, not only to the jewelry or watches or, or handbags for that matter. And um, it takes a bit of courage to go into a city where apparently customers want that Parisian old uh, look because if you look at all the competitors, extraordinary competitors, I must say, uh, and there is about six or seven of, of them, uh, th th that's the feeling they portray with slight differences. Um, and so to say we're going to bring to Paris the Italian contemporary uh, style, it's, um, it's a big bet, but uh, so far, uh, apparently, people love it. It's about Italian design, um, it's about craftsmanship, which we carefully um, mixed between Italian craftsmanship and some very specific Parisian craftsmanship in order to give the place a sense of Parisian uh, heritage. Um, some very, very exquisite and expensive uh, detailing that give you a feeling that you're in Paris. Um, and then ultimately, besides the product, it's the atmosphere. Uh, a lot of our uh, staff are Italian. They speak Italian to each other. They read your Italian menu in Italian. Uh, and they have that 
casual elegance uh, uh, approach to luxury that is very Italian rather than, um, than French. So um, I think we're bringing a little bit of the Italian lifestyle to, to Paris. So they, they, in France, they say décontracté, uh, luxe décontracté, uh, so uh, relaxed luxury. And LVMH also launched a new big hotel, uh, Cheval Blanc. Are you finding yourself maybe in this friendly competition with them? Absolutely, head to head. <laughs> not so friendly no. uh, well you know competition is never yes friendly, of course but right. I mean, uh, this is a, a part of the culture at LVMH uh, you know we are a, a family of uh, about 80 brands uh, many of which compete fiercely to, with each other think about Dior and Vuitton right. uh, us and Tiffany so actually the group encourages this, uh, this uh, friendly or not so friendly occasionally competition. However, you know, Cheval Blanc, which I honestly think is uh, one of the most interesting at highest level uh, players in the ultra luxury uh, space and us are very different. We are Italian, they are the quintessential contemporary French hospitality. So I think we, we're bringing to the Paris uh, scene two very different concepts. And there's room for everyone. So famed Italian architecture studio, ACPV, has designed each of the seven Bulgari hotels to date. What is their design approach and vision that has made them Bulgari's go-to firm? Well, uh, over 20 years ago, when we started this project, uh, we um, looked for a partner. Uh, We, in a way, we try to bring a novel, uh, innovative uh, approach luxury hospitality, breaking some rules and breaking some habits and breaking some taboos. Uh, One of them being that coming from our retail uh, mentality and luxury design mentality, where you have one creative director, one architect, we wanted to bring that to the hotel world, which is rarely the case. Um, And so we spoke to many of the Italian leading architects. And uh, we found uh, Antonio Citerio and Patricia Viel uh, extremely appropriate for our vision um, because they combine the ability to design a building, a skyscraper, to the incredibly small detail uh, of, of a handle of a drawer. Um, you know, they are famed for furniture design, uh, years spent in prototyping a single chair. So that's the approach to craftsmanship and detail that we were looking for. Um, they also, in a way, represent a, a sort of uh, a contemporary, timeless luxury aesthetics. So they're not after uh, the wow factor or, uh, you know, your trendy thing or your minimalist uh, version of contemporary, their things uh, last uh, forever, for a long time. They're, they're designed to last visually, not only physically, but aesthetically, visually. And we, we've had confirmation of that, for example, in our first hotel, Milano, which opened in 2004, and uh, we haven't changed anything. We just keep re- renovating it uh, with the same stuff and it's just as relevant design-wise today 
than it was uh, uh, many years ago. So yeah, as you were saying, so Bulgari opened its first branded hotel in Milan in 2004. At the time, where did Bulgari see a business opportunity to expand into the luxury hospitality space? Well, this is a very important uh, point to clarify because for us, uh, these hotels are not a business opportunity. If it were a business line, uh, we would have 50, maybe 100 hotels now. By now, it's been over 20 years. Um, for us, this is a creative exercise. It's an exercise in customer relationship, in uh, um, design, uh, in, uh, in uh, transferring the values of the Bulgari jewelry brand into uncharted uh, territory. But it's never been a business uh, uh, venture. Perhaps because of this, uh, it, it is the success that it is, because having no pressure to grow, um, you know, we were able to put together, it has taken us a long time, to be honest, but we were able to put together a very consistent portfolio with the properties having, you know, a harmonious uh, um, size, feeling, rate. So the customer who moves inevitably from one to the other uh, finds it absolute consistency, uh, which is very hard when you need to open uh, hotels uh, every year because you have your business objectives and inevitably you're going to do compromises. In this case, no compromises. Um, and um, this is, I think, the strength of our concept. And you touched upon this before. You said that creating a hotel is just like making a piece of Bulgari jewelry. So talk about that comparison. Of course, it's a metaphor, you know, because uh, very often, uh, particularly the beginning, when we said we were going to do hotels and we're the jewelers of hospitality, people were somehow scared to find gold-encrusted uh, handles <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, you know, diamond faucets or whatever you but this is not the case. You know, we don't need that. We, we are jewelers. We do the, the real thing. Um, it's metaphorical. We, we approach hotels as if they were jewels. So, um, you know, they are very rare. We have very few hotels, much like you have very few extraordinary stones. They are painfully and exquisitely crafted. Uh, you know, to make a high jewelry piece, it may take us two to three years because a single craftsman is going to do a very complicated piece. And likewise, to make one of our hotels, it, it has taken us up to eight years between design and, and construction. So uh, the role of craftsmanship from design to the, to the construction to the day-to-day operation of the hotel, I think about our chefs, our, our spa therapists, uh, our, our people who uh, have this sense of belonging to a brand that believes in, in people and in craftsmanship. Uh, and finally, I would say that we add to the hotel uh, industry um, a little sparkle, you know, that glamour feeling that comes uh, from being the jeweler to the stars and uh, to the red carpets uh, and all that. So if you put it all together, 
these hotels are uh, are true jewels. And aside from Milan, you have hotels in London, Dubai, Bali, Beijing, Shanghai, and most recently, obviously, Paris. What other properties do you have in the pipeline right now? The next one uh, scheduled to open is Tokyo in uh, early next year, uh, which is a very interesting project, very contemporary, a new skyscraper uh, with views over the Imperial Gardens and uh, the old uh, station. So right in the heart of, of Tokyo, very close to Ginza shopping. Um, and it's up in the very upper tip of the skyscraper. So the views are, are extraordinary. Um, following which we have Rome. And Rome, uh, again, uh, first half of next year, will truly be the flagship of our collection because we are from Rome since right. 150 years. Rome wasn't one of your early ones, but you're finally Absolutely. Coming, yeah, coming around full circle. Absolutely. And this goes back to the point I was making earlier that it's not like, oh, we are from Rome. We need to open Rome. And so let's find a good place and open. We, we, come, we know Rome. We live in Rome. So we know every corner, every stone. And we've looked at so many buildings. And some were good. Some were actually very good. But until we found this one, and we actually started working on this about 10 years ago, uh, it was never extraordinary. And when we finally found it and secured it, we look back at what we had um, uh, given up and we said, looking at the mirror said, you know, thank God we get, we get that up because right. today we would regret it. So it's location on the um, Augusto Imperatore Square. So the tomb of Augustus, the first emperor, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. The views are extraordinary. The location, it takes five minutes to walk to our jewelry uh, home. Uh, it's going to be special. And what is the operating business model for Bulgari hotels? Is it directly owned, franchise? What is the, the mix? Well, we have uh, a few different uh, scenarios. Uh, a couple of hotels, um, specifically Rome and Milan, we lease. Uh, being in Italy, we want to have direct control. The others are under a sort of a brand license agreement where we make no investment because it's not a business for us. Mm -hmm. um, but we are completely in charge, uh, not in control, but in charge of design and communication. So the guest definitely walks into a Bulgari environment. Uh, each hotel has a local partner, but um, and we obviously work uh, very closely. The hotels are individually very profitable, I'm happy to report. Uh, but it's um, as far as the customer is concerned, it's, it's a Bulgari. So when a customer does step into the lobby of a Bulgari hotel, no matter where it is, what is the first thing that tells them that it, its identity is uniquely Bulgari? I think there is a number of, um, of visual um, touches. Uh, the, the, even though each is different, um, they will immediately feel a family feeling. There are some common materials that they will find. 
there are some signs, some marbles, for instance. There are some some metal hardware that is uh, shared. Uh, there is the eight-point star on the floor. Mm-hmm. That star was taken uh, by the architects who, who built the first um, grand Bulgari store in 1933 in Rome. They got inspired from the star of the Campidoglio Square by Michelangelo. And they, they put this eight-point star on the floor of the entrance of the, of the store. And uh, we, we have taken it and put it on the floor of each um, hotel entrance. You have your occasional jewelry window as a reminder of uh, you know, who we are. And, uh, and then you start with the local uh, subtleties because depending on the city, depending on the physical location, you know, I don't know, Beijing is on a park, on a river, uh, Shanghai is on a skyscraper. So each one is different and therefore the design, the materials are um, played uh, accordingly. It's such a competitive market in the luxury hotel business. How does Bulgari differentiate itself from those competitors? Well, you know, I think our success uh, demonstrates that perhaps our strength is precisely that of being an outsider. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, in ch- I'm the founder and I'm in charge of the hotel division and I've never worked in a hotel in my life. I was the creative director of Bulgari uh, beforehand. And then I fell in love with this uh, metier, with this job of doing hotels. But we look at hotels perhaps with a customer's eye. We're not burdened by hotel speak, hotel habits. So we break the rules and um, we know what our customers want because we know our customers. They are the same as our jewelry customers. And so we bring a, a new approach, a different approach to the business and it works. Do all the properties have Bulgari boutiques on their premises? Not necessarily. Uh, it depends on the on the location and on the environment. Uh, uh, some do. Uh, Shanghai, uh, Paris, um, uh, Dubai, for sure. Others don't because there is a, a Bulgari store nearby or for whatever reason. But it's, that's not the purpose, let's say. You will find references. You will find perhaps uh, showcases catalogs, the Bulgari uh, movies on the TV screen, but it's, it's meant to be very subtle. Um, we like to, to hang some uh, pictures from our archives from the 50s and the 60s um, in the rooms, the, the beautiful celebrities from like Dolce Vita times in the, in the lobby. So to, to evoke the world where Bulgari was started and where Bulgari belongs rather than a, you know, a commercial sort of uh, between. Are you seeing any patterns across all your hotels for amenities or offerings that your guests are seeking nowadays in a post-pandemic world? Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty much a firm believer in the fact that the basic drivers of, of luxury are the same since um, you know the Egyptians uh, ten thousand years ago used mm-hmm. to wear jewelry and 
you know, people really uh, knowledgeable people who surround themselves with beautiful things, they know what they want. They want substance, uh, both physical and service-wise. Um, I think the, the only, you know, so in our hotels, everything is very heavy. The door is heavy. The chair is heavy. The cutlery is heavy. This is stuff that is meant to last. It's not, you know, uh, hotel stuff. It's residential furniture and very, very similar to what our customers would purchase for their homes. The one trend that is obviously um, very important is the digital world, uh, whereby uh, customers who want to be easily connected, uh, transfer their content uh, around the, the room, the TV, the, 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 the loudspeaker. So we need to, without getting carried away and, and becoming a sort of a science fiction type of experience, which is, I think, not what they're looking for, <laughs> but it needs to be impeccable, the, the technology side. Well, other fashion and luxury branded hotels have also tried to make a go of it since Versace opened its first palazzo in Australia. Brands like Armani, Masoni, Ferragamo, Fendi, and others have ventured into the hospitality business. Even Elle magazine is opening a property in Paris. And some fashion brands have put their thumbprint on luxury hotels through these curated suites. You know, what's in it for fashion, for these fashion brands? Well, first of all, I'd like to underline the uh, very appropriate uh, statement that you made when you said that they, they are taking a try. Because, yeah, with all due respect, I think that um, everybody's attracted by this business uh, because it's, uh, it's fun, it's different, it's lifestyle and whatever you, but very often they underestimate the, how different from, you know, uh, retail or fashion uh, luxury is. It's a different world. And how difficult it is, because it takes years to do it well. Uh, very complicated, very long-term agreements. And um, so you need a level of, of attention um, that it, very often, you know, the other day I met with some friends from another brand who were looking at uh, potentially doing hotels, and they introduced me to their licensing executive who is in charge of merchandising, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. hats or eyewear. And I told them, you know, you're starting on the wrong foot because if you consider the hotel uh, at, at the same level of, of um, merchandising, right? I, I, what do you expect is going to happen? As a matter of fact, for us, the customer of our hotels is right up there with the customers of the million dollar jewelry. So if you look at our overall customer base uh, from, you know, people who buy your thousand dollar ring all the way up to people who buy your 20 million dollar necklace, the customers of the hotel are way up in the pyramid. So we take this very seriously and, um, takes time, takes effort, takes money to do it properly. What does it take for a luxury brand like Bulgari to be successful in a space that's dominated by the big players who have been living and breathing luxury hospitality since day one? 
Well, as I said earlier, uh, um, it, it, when we started, it was um, obviously very risky and a new adventure. But I think we filled a, a niche, a void in the market. And we knew this, A, as travelers, um, and B, by talking to our, our customers and, and uh, our friends in the media and the celebrities. And um, we, we feel there was, and there still is, a, a void, a need for a hotel that doesn't feel like a hotel. Um, we do very, very little corporate business, no conventions. It's not, it's not you know, your 30 suite uh, thing. Uh, our hotels are, are, are fun, there's people, there's energy, but they're like clubs. They're ultra luxury clubs uh, of people who know each other, uh, we have a you know repeat customers up to 50 60 percent any given night uh, in most properties so I, I think the customer was waiting and looking for something like this and we made it and they love it so all the main fine dining restaurants in your properties are led by renowned Michelin star Italian chef Nico Romito how challenging is it to succeed in major cities with so many high-end standalone restaurant offerings? And what is the key to making hotel restaurants successful? Well, I think um, typically restaurants in hotels have been considered sort of a necessary evil uh, because they're hard to manage. And, uh, you know, if it, if it were for, for hoteliers, uh, contemporary hoteliers, they would rather do without or list them out, to be totally honest. For us, it's very different. The, maybe because we're Italian, I don't know. But um, the, the, the old school partnership like between uh, Cesar Ritz and Escoffier that delivered these, these hotels that were grand, great hotels with an amazing chef inside uh, is the path that we are, we are following. Um, the fact that Nico has uh, three Michelin stars in his own place that doesn't mean that we are putting uh, three Michelin stars uh, restaurants in our hotels. We have asked him to curate a much more simple concept, let's say a one Michelin star concept, because we think that if you're in a Bulgari hotel, you want to go down and eat a plate of uh, spaghetti al pomodoro without too much fuss. It has to be the most extraordinary spaghetti al pomodoro that you've ever tasted. But um, no fancy stuff. Um, it's a hotel. It's a, it's a home. You're traveling. You're, you're tired. You, you want to entertain. You want to have fun. And you also want to attract uh, the, local, the local customers. And one thing we found is that um, there's very few, if any, fine Italian, true Italian uh, restaurant concepts around the world. Uh, I mean, we, we have been able to export jewelry, shoes, clothes, cars, but um, so far uh, there's not a single Italian hotel collection except us, and there is not a single Italian um, restaurant collection. Uh, except maybe one or two. 
So um, I think that the the trick, and it, it is difficult, you know, because unfortunately Italian cuisine has been somehow polluted by you know different interpretations of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go out there and you go to Paris or you go to Beijing and you bring the true stuff, uh, so, sometimes uh, people are startled. You know, they say, oh, but this is, uh, this is not what I was expecting. But then you start explaining how this is the true Italian and why is it like that? And that it's very light, uh, healthy, uh, tasty, fun, and they, they get into it. And it becomes um, somehow addictive. I must say. So your hotels also emphasize their spa and wellness spaces. How critical is the spa offering for the properties and what approach do you take to wellness? It's, it's absolutely critical. We found out, I would say, in progress because um, the first hotel we opened in Milan uh, is, is very small. So we had uh, very little space to do a, a proper spa. Uh, it's very nice. It's got a small swimming pool. But um, when we opened London, uh, it was a big, big bet. Uh, we, we took advantage of the fact that we had these uh, six floors underground to make a spa, a 2,000 square meter spa with a 25 meter long pool, which was completely oversized to the um, 85 uh, rooms and suites of the hotel. But it worked tremendously well, uh, not only for the hotel guests, but also for a membership club that we had there. And perhaps precisely because you're in such a small hotel, you know, with 85 rooms, and you, you have a 2,000 plus square meters at your disposal, uh, it gives you a feeling that you're in a special place and makes you happy to pay the rate, uh, knowing the fact that you have extraordinary Therapist, you have the most avant-garde uh, um, skincare lines that change uh, every year or so. We just uh, launched a partnership with um, the latest, um, really, really incredibly good uh, line by uh, Augustinus Bader mm-hmm. from Germany and many others. Um, the fitness is not just a bunch of machines obviously by Technogene, Italian brand, but designed by Antonio Citerio, by the way. But um, we have a resident um, uh, personal trainer concept uh, developed by Lee Mullins of a workshop in London. So the the personal trainer experience is curated uh, in in the same way in each property. So, you know, if you go to Milan, you exercise with a workshop trainer, then you go to London and you can find the same routine with the workshop trainer in London. And this is what our customers want. The Bulgari Resort Los Angeles is slated for 2025. Uh, it's going to be in the private hillsides of Benedict Canyon. It's, it's an LA neighborhood where it's really well known for its sweeping views of the city. And obviously a lot of celebrities there too. What are the design plans for this resort? I would imagine it's very different look and feel given the majestic Santa Monica mountains landscape. Absolutely. I think the, the Los Angeles uh, resort will be a one of a kind, uh, extraordinary. You know, when I walked that park, uh, it's a um, 30, 40 uh, acres 
park mm -hmm. uh, in that canyon. Uh, you have, um, you know, a nature that is so overwhelming that you completely forget you're in Los Angeles. And, and yet you are a 15, 20 minutes drive to Rodeo Drive. Um, I think the architecture will take advantage of the landscape because on the one hand, there is a very strict scope of uh, protecting and enhancing the landscape um, by removing uh, excess vegetation and non-native vegetation that has grown um, and replanting native uh, vegetation, creating corridors for wildlife, there's eagles, there's other uh, animals, and take advantage of the canyon to do a hotel, which will be part hotel suites in a, in a building and part uh, bungalows. Uh, which is uh, what our customers and what the Hollywood celebrities want, privacy. So you, have, you will have these bungalows with their own swimming pool, uh, one, two, three rooms, a suite with two connecting rooms that are perfect for private uh, events and entertainment. So I want to go down a different path here. So Bulgari has been making some noise in the Web3 space at VivaTech 2022, Bulgari unveiled its new metaverse concept and revealed the world's thinnest mechanical watch, which linked to an NFT. And Bulgari also recently introduced a three-piece NFT high jewelry collection. Are metaverse opportunities for Bulgari hotels and resorts or any kind of NFT strategy on your radar? Well, as you rightly said, our company is, is very much uh, ahead uh, uh, in that space. I don't know if you've seen the the new Korean app uh, developed by um, this company called Zepeto with mm -hmm. the avatars and the Bulgari jewelry right. and stuff. Uh, so so we're, we're there. The hotels are perhaps a little more conservative in nature. So we are looking at what could be done. But um, so far, we are still studying. I think a lot of brands are doing that. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. You have to do it right. You know, you cannot just jump on the bandwagon and, and pretend that you're... Uh, so if you're there, you need to be there very well. So Silvio, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation to take you off that island or water transportation to take you off that island or anything that requires mobile service so you can call somebody to take you off that island. What would that one single luxury item that you would like to have with you on this deserted island? Well, you know, this is a really interesting question that, that deserves some uh, soul searching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because uh, as a person who likes to surround uh, myself with uh, with luxury items uh old ancient and new um i, I i'm i'm freaking out because <laughs> i just have to pick one just uh, one just one uh you know um i think i would choose a japanese kitchen knife an extraordinary uh, handmade um, damask blade chef's knife to cut my food and um, yeah 
That's what I would think. Silvio Ursini, Bulgari Group's executive vice president in charge of hotels and resorts division. Thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time. 